Season 1, Episode 5, The Election Results. Hi and welcome everybody to the Truth or Politics Podcast. My name is Robert. And I am Bradley. And uh, we are hailing from uh, two different states that, uh, where where did our states vote for the presidential election, Bradley? Where, where, where well, did the great state of Alabama uh, find, find the election? Well, I think we uh, didn't, uh, I would say that we are probably the same color as the sea that Moses parted. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Which, uh, yes. I'd say that'd be the red there, buddy. That's, so. that's for sure, yes. Kentucky is, uh, strangely enough, um, a very democratic state when it comes to their governors, with the exception of the not the most recent one who's currently holding office, but the one before, typically Democratic. But when it comes to presidential elections, almost always Republican. And um, so I don't know how that goes. Do you have a both Republican governor and voted Republican for the president in Alabama? Oh, yeah. We're, uh, we are Republican through and through. In mm. fact, the county I'm in... Uh, has boasted now this is this is some people in the county have boasted having no democratic elected officials now i don't know if that's changed <laughs> but we have Sorry. no elected democratic officials that's at one point the, we didn't that so. i shouldn't really laugh at that but that's kind of it's kind of <laughs> awesome that they boast that um so so big role tied to that one uh even though we did have an all Aub- former auburn football coach uh that we elected center this so, is uh, true we'll, We'll get into that a little later. Right, I've got that right. in our election coverage just to gloss over it. Was it is it Tuberville, Tuberville, or who who was the one who got elected? Just tell yeah, me. Yeah, Tuberville. I think Tuberville. you're talking to two. You're you're talking about Tubin. The, the we're not. We won't. We won't bring that up here. Did you? <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to say these names. Like well, you know, most people can't even say my last name. So you did hear about that tu- the Tubin fella from? Uh... No, you'll have to tell me. I don't know what the, what the deal is with uh, that. Is it, okay. is, it, is it clean? Can, can we actually put it on the podcast? If not, we're not going there. <laughs> Let's just move on. Let's okay, just good. On. We'll just move on. Sounds good. So how have you been doing, Bradley? You doing okay? How's how's the the uh, the missus and the baby? Man, they're great. Uh, man, I, I think that everybody is, you know, so focused on the election. I'm here with my uh, relaxation tea. Mm-hmm. I'm here. I got some incense lit in the background. Got some candles on, and you do, got some you? Uh, got some candy over there. Halloween candy that I'm gonna obnoxiously chew during the podcast. Yeah, no, we've spoken about that. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> but hey, man, I'm doing I'm doing great. Uh, I'm just uh, hanging on the edge of my seat like a hanging Chad, uh, right. hanging out watching these election results, right. uh, which I don't think we deal with that anymore, do we? No, we don't. I think that uh, that that their election in Florida uh, changed that. Talk about <laughs> uh, a segue to eventually what's going on currently with the election and the litigious nature of it all. Looks like they're going to be looking into challenging some voting uh, somewhere down the road. So, but back to all this, guys. So where we are, um, the election has already been held on Tuesday, election day that is. And uh, we are at a point where the results now, we are on Thursday evening, and the results, I believe, were at uh, President Trump, the incumbent, is at 214 electoral votes, 
And Joe Biden, the challenger, former vice president, is at 264. Is that what we're at, Bradley? 264, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's now, now this is at least reported. So some of these states, um, in, in Biden's case, may or may not be approved by every single outlet, correct? Yes. And uh, uh, I just saw a news update while I go work to work recording this about 1030 uh, uh, Central Time, my mm-hmm. time. Um, and just a while ago, I saw an update that Trump and Biden are now tied in Georgia. Mm. Todd in Georgia. Um, is Biden still up in Arizona? I, I believe so. Um, last last time I looked at some of the numbers, I guess we should have known that as we're doing all this. But um, I think it I think it's safe to say that at least the numbers that we have now, the two fourteen and the two sixty four, haven't changed. Um, yeah. So we're we're safe going at that. They may change during the course of all this. Yeah, cause, yeah. Biden has been called for Arizona, but he is up in Nevada. Uh, Georgia just went into a tie, and then uh, North Carolina and Pennsylvania are um, leaning red, leaning towards Trump. So that's right. where we're at at the moment. Right, right. So the way it seems, Biden needs Nevada to. I had a, a former um, guy on one of my floors tell me it's not Nevada; it's Nevada. He was, mm-hmm. he was adamant about that. I, I have no idea if it is or not, but, you know, from someone who used to live there, uh, I'm going to take that. And I believe it's just uh, Nevada that Biden needs, um, at least for those six votes, right? And then that'll get him the 270. Yeah, and, and Trump needs to sweep the board and get uh, right. Nevada right. back from Biden, or uh, not back from Biden, you know what I mean. Correct, correct. So that's, so that's where we sit with everything, and Bradley's worked hard to take a look at what's been going on with the election. I've certainly been following it quite a bit. We have um, done not a ton, but done some things on our Facebook site and uh, written some comments. We've had some good feedback from everybody, and so that's been nice. And um, so we are, are going to do what we can do right now to discuss where everything is and uh, in some sort of record-setting pace, I may actually get this episode out. Who knows? We'll, we'll see if that actually happens somewhere down the road. Now, a little bit of uh, business keeping here. Um, I think we're at 83 downloads, Bradley, which honestly I'm not sure I knew, knew we'd ever get to that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think within that were 50-something downloads for the very first podcast that we released. And then the second one, which was part two of the intro, uh, we're closer to 30-something downloads that we've got. And uh, I don't think all of those are just me downloading it on multiple devices. Uh, it does actually tell us that, by the way, because it'll, it'll say somewhere in the, in the analytics, um, the analysis, that there are um, uh, how many ones get downloaded from similar IP ad- addresses. Huh. Yeah, so they they know how to find out our tricks. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, um, Bradley's got some notes on things, and uh, I'm going to let him take over doing some talking. I'm going to chime in myself. Uh, we've got some comments um, down the road about um, President Trump's most recent speech he gave tonight, and we've got some fact checking that has happened from USA Today. Uh, there are some other sites that are doing it. I liked 
USA Today uh, in particular. And so I've put that on the Facebook site and uh, we'll, we'll try to talk a little bit about that too. There's a lot of things that go on. We could do a whole show on probably half the comments that he made um, and what they have fact-checked on that. So we're going to pick and choose some, some things we think are pertinent to things. And I'm going to let Bradley uh, jump in here. Yeah, I think first uh, to sort of cleanse the palate, I feel like I use that phrase a lot, uh, but just some ele- interesting election facts that I thought uh, were, were you know pretty cool to, to, to read about. Um, so every presidential elect uh, who, who has won the presidency also won Ohio. Uh, as far as it stands now, Biden has lost Ohio, so if he does win, which it's it's projected that he's going to win, but we're still, you know, a long way from that, possibly a short way from that. He would be the first president ever elected without winning that state. Joe Biden also received the most votes of any presidential candidate to ever run, receiving 2.1 million votes more than Obama in 2008. If Trump does follow through with challenging the election results in court, this will be the first election to do so in two decades going back to of course the hanging chad in florida in the 2000 uh, election and even going further back if trump does lose he will be the first president not to be elected for a second term since george george h w bush in 1992 which uh so there hasn't been a one-term president in my lifetime i was born in 93 so my gosh i'm so old (laughs) Yeah. Do you remember the Do you remember the George H. W. Bush election? The Clinton completely, election? completely. I remember all the skits that were being done on Saturday Night Live. God, that's and, and Dana. Have you been watching the ones recently, man? Oh some my God. some of them. I haven't. I, I've seen some. Um, I think Jim Carrey's done a pretty good job. But, phenomenal, phenomenal. But, uh, they have crossed the line a little bit some places. Oh right. my gosh, they crossed right. the line. Well, it's yeah. it's you know there there is that that phrase out there that's called, you know, stranger than fiction. And I mean, so much of what is happening right now, the truth really is stranger than fiction. And uh, it's, it's, I can't say it's more entertaining, but it's certainly got a bigger shock value (laughs) to me for a lot of things. But do we want to drop the bomb now and tell people how we voted? Because the voting's (sighs) taken place. I don't mind telling everybody. I, I think people will be surprised. You were surprised I was to, surprised. to yeah, hear I was surprised. how I voted. And, uh, and I, you know, so the, the last election, 2016, um, I made a point telling people I didn't vote for Trump on that one. Um, I didn't vote for Hillary and I voted for myself <laughs> so that I could have, I think on my tombstone, received one vote for president of the United States. Um, so I could have something like that. Not really, but I just didn't see any point at the time for the way I felt about both candidates for voting for both of them. And honestly, um, in this particular election, I was swayed somewhat to want to vote for Biden, but in the end, uh, it really just didn't feel like that was the right choice for me. Um, I've, I felt more, um, distance from both candidates, probably closer to Biden, but uh, still obviously distance from Trump. And I voted for the libertarian candidate. And, um, but in, in my research and what I think we definitely have to do a show at some point, Bradley about libertarians and mm-hmm. maybe we get some people who hold, so to speak, have run for office for those or somewhere down the line. I'd love to do those things. But, um, you know, there, there's a, a big divide 
in that party, it seems, if you have the sort of the left side libertarian or the right side libertarian, and I mm-hmm. think both of them claim allegiance to those groups, once again, I probably fall somewhere in the middle uh, between the two. There certainly is not um, everything that I would agree with that's in that party, just like I wouldn't agree with everything in the Republican Party or everything in the Democratic Party. So uh, that's why I'm going to form the Robert Party somewhere down the road. Go ahead. And uh, I also voted Libertarian, uh, but in the first – so my first election was the 2012 election. That was the first election I was old enough to vote. Uh, I did a lot of work with the Republican Party then. Um, For years and years, I did work with the Republican Party. I I even – helped campaign in certain places and I and I waited outside the polls. And so basically what happens is you wait outside the polls and then you go <coughs> with them to the, to the place where they deliver them and you get the results and you send them back to the headquarters. And it's more of a symbolic thing. I'm sure you could call them in, but it's sort of like a, just one of those traditions. But I did that a lot. I voted for Mitt Romney in 2012, uh, worked on Ted Cruz's campaign and, uh, he didn't win. I was going to, sort of torn and I just didn't want, I just didn't want to, you know, cast a vote for Donald Trump. So I voted for Gary Johnson in that election. And then I voted for Joe Jorgensen in this, in this election. Um, so that, you know, that's basically how I went down for me. Yeah. And for those who don't know, Johnson was the libertarian candidate for president in 2016. And yeah. And 2012. Right. Well, uh, so there you go. So, I, you know, if, if there is any um, co-host group who is fair and balanced <laughs> um, without any particular axe to grind, in any, in either case, hopefully you'll believe that about us. Um, it really is important to me, as I know it is important to Bradley, that we try our best to stick with the facts. It is so difficult to keep up with the facts. Um, you know, the, the, again, the president gave a speech tonight. Um, luckily one group, at least, um, USA today, I think I can sort of trust, um, at least in what I saw in, in their article, I didn't see any of our logical fallacies. I didn't see a pleas to emotion, you know, seemed very quote unquote fact based. So I think that'll be good to go through eventually. But in this, um, you know, election process and, and what we've been seeing, uh, there certainly are uh, some, some versions of the truth. And I w- I'll say I was watching uh, a little bit of Joe Rogan today and him speaking to um, someone who was sort of, uh, uh, I don't know what you want to say, definitely a Republican, very, very right-sided thinking. And um, uh, Joe had even said one of my favorite things, and it's actually one of our taglines, Bradley, said basically, you know, there's one side to every story. And our two sides to every story, and in the middle, somewhere there's the truth. And I was like, Joe, mm-hmm. Joe, you're stealing my tagline, buddy. But yeah, uh, yeah, anyway. and I, and I listened to uh, Joe Jorgen or Joe Jorgens, Joe Rogan's coverage uh, last uh, the election night, and he actually oh. said that he voted for Joe Jorgensen, mm-hmm. but he never had her on his podcast, and he sort of gave the campaign the runaround. I think. Hmm. Um, Interesting. So I don't. So you know, that's another thing to cover another day. Uh, I've got two more facts real quick, and we can yeah, move on to some election do. results and uh, go from there. 
Uh, this campaign had the highest voter turnout of any presidential election ever and also holds the record for the most combined money spent on a campaign at over $14 billion, more than twice the amount of the 2016 election. <coughs> Whoever wins this election will also be the oldest president ever. Trump will surpass, will surpass Reagan in his final year in office, and Biden will be older on his inauguration day than Ronald Reagan was when he left office at the age of 78. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty significant yeah. right there. Yeah, and to uh, quote John Mulaney from Saturday Night Live this past week in his monologue, uh, there was an old man competition. Uh, you pick your favorite old man, either the old man that's there now or the other old man, and nothing changes. Of course, you know, it's real tongue-in-cheek there, but uh, I thought it was, I got a kick out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, um, that that's where we're sitting at, and we do have some results in. Um, like, like for instance, the Republicans needed 17 seats, uh, in the house to make up the deficit and have control of the house. They only flipped four of those seats and Democrats needed four seats or three if Biden was elected because Kamala Harris would break the tie. Um, they flipped one. I think one's going to run off possibly. Uh, but I would venture to say that at this time it, it's probably not going to happen for them. Um, but in a strange turn of events, they, the Democrats outspent Republicans across the board, except for in Georgia. And this includes spending nearly $50 million more in North Carolina. Um, wow. So I mean, it, yeah, yeah. And it, and a lot of it stems from, uh, the death of, uh, the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, in fact, uh, Cal Cunningham received $6 million in campaign, uh, contributions in the 48 hours after her passing, despite his whole uh, being caught in an affair debacle, but he still lost to the incumbent and to the incumbent there, the Republican incumbent, by less than two percent. And incumbent Republican Lindsey Graham also won by ten percent in that race, uh, even though he sent copious amounts of emails begging for more money because he was just being. They were. Out, the Democrats were outspending him hand over fist. Uh, and just, you know, a couple more election results here. And incumbent Republican Joni Ernst won her reelection campaign by over 6%. And of course, as we mentioned earlier, Democratic incumbent Doug Jones got trounced by 20 points by, by former Auburn football coach Tommy Tuberville. And uh, having sort of worked the last campaign, uh, the last election cycle, and been a sort of looked in, you know, on the outside looking in. Uh, it was really inevitable because the 2018, we had a special election after uh, Jeff Sessions left the Senate to go uh, work for Trump. And we we know how that turned out. Right. Um, but and then we had a two time Alabama Supreme Court Justice Roy Moore, who was running. Uh, I actually knew him really well. I've met him multiple times. Uh, and he had sexual misconduct with a minor uh, accusations brought up that happened uh, decades ago, uh, I think in the sixties, um, which that, that doesn't, uh, I'm not saying that to say that, I that I don't believe him or that doesn't validify him or anything. I'm just saying how the, just get stating the facts of the matter. I don't want that to be misconstrued or anything. Uh, and so, you know, he lost a lot of Republican votes. So in a very red state, Doug Jones was elected in a special, special election, but, and he, he did all he could. He sided with Nancy Pelosi the whole time and really, you know, pushed him and him, Schumer and Nancy really 
pushed the uh, the left, and he just kept going left on all the issues. And I think that he just tried to get the damage in that he could, uh, as far as Republicans would see it, just try to get what he could pass. And he didn't really try to campaign. You know, he didn't really try to do what he thought his constituents wanted, I guess. But he just sort of tried to get what he wanted done to help further the Democratic Party, which, I mean, I don't I don't blame him for that. But he sure sure as heck wasn't going to win re-election with that, you know, mm-hmm. that that thing. So it leads me to the think is the the thinking process of what are the takeaways from this, and uh, ha- how did the Democrats spend so much to the, sort of reap so little reward here? And I don't know. Right. Um, I mean, I think that. I mean. Everything that has happened when it comes to, I mean, I'm just going to encompass it as calling it Black Lives Matter, but then also say, you know, the the shooting and killing of George Floyd, the shooting and killing of um, Breonna Taylor. And I think that the Democrats got, you know, stretched really thin. Their Their taffy was pulled in a whole bunch of directions and they didn't necessarily coalesce behind those particular movements um, as, as one group that became one sort of solid voting body is is sort of the way that I see it. And, and they had um, quite a few more quote unquote sort of establishment type of candidates everywhere and I think that these candidates in some cases at least here in Kentucky the challenger to Mitch McConnell um, literally did not show up to any of the protests that we had in Louisville when her challenger for the nomination for the Democrats was there at every single one of them and I know that when she was selected um, there was a lot of blowback um, from people who were going to support that Democratic um, nominee. And, you know, the I think the, I don't know how accurate it is, but they say that she had a lot of money given to her campaign that was outside of Kentucky um, from people who wanted to support her in beating Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you may have a lot of money to help you on your campaign, but at the same time, you're going against Mitch McConnell. And, I mean, if there is anybody who is rock-solid strong in that Senate, it's him. I mean, the, yeah. the, guy, the guy has been there so long now. And um, I think about old Strom Thurmond, you know, and how mm-hmm. long he was in office. And I think Mitch is going to give Strom a run for his money. Yeah, I, I, and I think, I think you're dead on the money in a lot of, a lot of areas there. I think every every one of these campaigns had, had these uh, – super PACs contributing, you know, to them from outside the state, especially, you know, after the passing of Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, as we mentioned earlier. And, and then I think in order to win the votes that you need, especially with a party like the democratic party and the way that it, the democratic party sort of seems like it is now, you can't be unwavering. You have to, you know, I don't want this, this, I was going to say walk in lockstep with them, if that sounds, uh, you know, has bad connotations. You you have to toe the line. You have to be uh, more. It seems like you need to be more progressive now to to get the votes, especially in Louisville, maybe. Um, 
or, or maybe that's not the case, but to me, from the outside looking in, as I said earlier, it looks like you need to be progressive. It, it's sort of like uh, being, you know, either being lukewarm or, or you know, being you know being cold or hot. You know, if you're lukewarm, you're really not uh, as effective. I don't think. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can only speak to this particular election, but you know, I got as a as a I'm still a registered Democrat. Um, but as I got, you know, multiple phone calls from people asking me to vote for McGrath, I would occasionally talk to the people who would call me and and of course they called even after I had already told them I was voting for her. Now, nothing irritates me more than someone calling me after I've already said I've got their, their vote and, and and they're not keeping any track of this evidently, or they're just ignoring the fact that I've pledged my vote to them. Cause I'm, I wasn't going to change my mind. I still voted for her too anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't vote across the board for everybody. There was one Republican in there somewhere in a local election. I can't remember exactly what it was for, but, um, you know, I, I said to the person I spoke to that, you know, she has to be about 10 times more dynamic than she currently is being. She is is very flat in all of her interviews. Anytime she has a soundbite, whatever it is, I don't think they're setting her up. I think they're using the best they can get of her. Mm-hmm. And I said, like, she has really got, and I even got sort of like a nervous chuckle from the person I spoke to because she said, yeah, we, we feel that way. Like, wow. I mean, your people who are behind you making phone calls yeah. to do this, I mean, they don't want to lie when they're talking and, and they're, you know, you could, you could sense the concern that they had in her, her campaign. I don't want to spend too much more time on, it, but her campaign definitely made a stronger surge towards the end as you always want those campaigns to do. But man, that should have been how she started a year ago and then built from there, I think. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I think the, the, the issue was still, does she support um, these protests when the protests became violent and property was destroyed and people mm-hmm. were, and people were hurt. And as a Marine, as, as she being a former Marine and um, you know, she just wasn't going to get into that. And it, you can yeah. just tell when she got asked that question, she was just dumbfounded. She didn't know how to answer it. So I think outside to your point, outside money, can only do so much and you you've got to build your inside support. So I'm just using her campaign as a, you know, an unknowing, but a microcosm analogy that maybe this is what happened in many cases. There was a flood yeah. of money that came in from a lot of pay, a lot of places, but you still had candidates who just weren't on message, you know, for lack yeah. of a better term. They're just whatever that message is, man. And and I don't know what the message is for the Democrats, honestly, because I said this in the podcast you all have yet to listen to, <laughs> but I said this in the Atlantic article podcast that, you know, if the Democrats want to just continue to say vote for Joe Biden because he has the best character, which I, I wouldn't disagree with that. But to me, that's not enough for me to want to vote for him over somebody else, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, for whatever reason, there we go. I'm, I'm rambling, but back to you. 
Yeah, yeah. I think you're right that in order to be successful in a campaign, you can't just have money. You have to have name recognition on the ballot. And, you know, and speaking of name recognition on the ballot, we might as well cover uh, this is probably not that important to a lot of people, but I would like to pride ourselves on being the only podcast. Well, I'm not going to say that. One of the few podcasts <laughs> that uh, that recognizes every presidential candidate that was on the ballot. I'll do it. Yeah, uh, you, go for it. Even if even if they weren't on many states. Um, so the candidates, there were only three candidates on the on all, on in all 50 states, which includes, of course, Republican Donald J. Trump, current uh, president. Uh, of course, Democratic elect or Democratic nominee Joe Biden. You had Libertarian candidate Joe Jorgensen. And then when you go from there, these these candidates didn't have ballot access in all the states, but they did have some. Uh, Green Party, Howie Hawkins. Uh, Constitutional Party, Don Blankenship. Uh, Independent, Kanye West. Woo, Kanye. (laughs) Uh, Solidarity Party, Brian Carroll. I'm going to attempt this name. Uh, R-O-Q-U-E, Rocky de la Fuente. Might even be be Rocky. Rocky, could be Rocky. Uh, So one of those. I apologize to the Alliance Party. Uh, please just send me your emails. Uh, Socialist Workers Party, Allison Kennedy. Party of so- Socialism and Liberation, Gloria LaRiva. And uh, Independent Brock Pierce. So uh, right. there's two socialist parties. you think they would, they'd come together on something like that. Oh, I guess one's the Socialism and Liberation it, one's social. It, it all it all reminds me of uh, Monty Python's uh, Life of Brian, and the, yes. the, the People's Liberation Front, the Judea, or the Judean People's Liberation Front. And, yeah. and of course, my takeaway from that is always the I think it's Eric Idle's character who says, "I just want to be called Loretta." <laughs> you know who uh, funded that movie? Uh, a big portion was George Harrison. There you go. I'm all over my that. My sweet lord. I'm not yeah. saying he's my sweet lord. Great song, song, though. Oh, good song. Um, now we have the candidates there. So, Robert, how about you tell us how do we elect our president? And what is this electoral college? And where is this college located? <laughs> it's, it's it's in my backyard. Uh-oh. Uh, that we, we decided to uh, to build one back there for everybody. It's very small. You can't get inside of it. It's kind of like the zoo. It's kind of like the Zoolander library for kids who, who don't read well. If you build it, they will come. They will. They will. Well, the Electoral College take us back to 1787 on a very hot day in Philadelphia, August 31st. Constitutional Congress was there trying to, um, I guess we'll say, ratify the Constitution, and. A lot of the guys just wanted to go home. <laughs> they they were done. They were done with working on it. And Bradley, you don't have to mute out your laughs. It's okay. They they like to hear you laugh. Anyway, um, no, but seriously. So over the period of about four days, a special committee of eleven of the founding fathers for the Constitution debated and went through the various arguments for how we were going to elect one of the most important offices in our great new country, and that being the president of the United States. And the biggest fear 
that they had was that they didn't want too much power to rest in the hands of the president. Now, we'd already had devised the separation of powers by the three different branches, but they wanted to make sure that when we elected the president that we had an informed uh, population who would help um, select the president. And we wanted to um, basically, as, as it all came down to it, they wanted to find that they wanted some of the, the power to elect the president to come from the federal side and then also, though, give some power to the states. And so what ended up happening is we ended up finding that there is a popular vote, which we have today still. And so you hold the popular election and that election um, then is, let's say, quote unquote, sent to some representatives of what's called your state's electoral college. And those particular people then will take your input from your state of who you want to be the president and they will cast their ballots for the president and they will, you know, simply tally those up. Now, the Electoral College votes, um, you know, it's not like every state has one vote. Um, you know, states have multiple ones. Uh, what is this? The great state of California has is 55, Bradley, I think 55 electoral uh, votes from what I can remember. Uh, uh. I got. Uh, I actually have a handy dandy map right here. They have fifty-five. You are yeah, correct, sir. That's right. In that so, you know, really large states will have a lot of votes. Um, smaller states may not have that many. Nevada, that's nearby, has six. Um, we've got, you know, um, Ohio has. Well, I think it's twenty. Um, some somewhere in that ballpark. Pennsylvania, somewhere in that ballpark too. Um, so they distribute those numbers of electoral ballots and it, really what they wanted to avoid though, again, was to put the, the power of this particular vote too much in the hands of either Congress or of the president um, or of the people. And so really they divided it up and I have found honestly a new, I have grown to have a newfound respect for the electoral college process in reading about it and seeing how they took great, um, uh, you know, great consideration to develop this. Now, problem with the electoral college process is in giving that power to the states, each state is able to determine exactly how they will count their votes, what qualifies as a, a valid vote. And when that vote continues to be valid and actually be counted. And that is different in every single state. Now, it may be similar in some states, but every state has the ability to make it different. And what we're finding right now, as we fast forward ourselves into the uh, present vote, is that uh, we talked about this at the beginning with Joe Biden having the 264 electoral college votes and president Trump having 214 president Trump has uh, made an argument that he believes in some States cases, the ballot counting should have stopped on election night. Um, States like Georgia States like Pennsylvania. Um, he wanted that counting to stop. 
He believes that he was in the lead at that time. And because of that, he believes he won those states. This, this is the argument he's making. When he um, has, though, talked about certain states where he needed more votes to be counted in order for him to potentially win, he has been inconsistent in his message. And this is not necessarily editorializing for me. This is really what he's doing. He has said that in a state like Arizona um, or in Nevada, he wants those votes to continue to be counted. And so he has one way that he wants one state to do it, one way that he wants another state to do it. And in one very small way, I understand how he can make this argument and try to have it be um, settled by the courts. In that being that it's different in each state. And so he is just simply taking advantage of what this one particular state wants to do in the way that they count the ballots. And he's sort of handling it on a state by state basis. Now his argument for that, I don't feel is as cogent <laughs> is, is as, um, you know, makes as much sense as what I'm making of it right now. And I believe also that the media right now, when they're covering it, they're not necessarily just presenting what he is allowed to do and not allowed to do based on the electoral college. So there, there's my take on the current state of the electoral college and somewhat about what president Trump is trying to challenge. And, uh, but I think we've got some more thoughts about how this election has gone. Uh, well, let's stop there. And, and Bradley, any, any comments or thoughts about what I just said, any corrections you think we need to make to any of that or things that you think about it? Uh, just, uh, I'm going to drive Just talk about the electoral college a little bit because it was the reason that they put this thing in place was because they thought that, uh, you know, as you said, they thought it'd be reckless just to give so much power to one branch of government and without thoroughly considering. It. And I know a lot of the, the smaller states, you know, argued that, hey, these metropolitan cities will decide the election, so we want a, a fairer way for us to enter into this. Because, you know, you got to think you have 13 separate colonies that you have to unite, so you're going to have to make con some concessions. And here we are two, 200 years later, um, uh, you know, 200-some-odd years later, more than that. And you have a vastly different landscape than they had then. So what made sense now? You know, a lot of people think might not make sense then, and I think it's just the way you look at it. But the Electoral College, you know, has been a, a – there's only been a handful of times that it has not went with the popular vote. Uh, in 1824, John Quincy Adams won without the popular vote. In 1876, Rutherford, Rutherford B. Hayes uh, lost the popular vote but won the Electoral College by 206,000 votes. Uh, in 1888, Benjamin Harrison lost to Grover Cleveland by 95,000 plus by by 95,000 plus votes, but won the Electoral College. And if and in more recent incidents, uh, Al Gore won the popular vote, but lost the Electoral College to George W. Bush, and Hillary Clinton lost the. Electoral College, but won the popular vote. And, of course, we know Donald Trump was president, so he won the Electoral College there. 
And Al Gore, to add insult to injury, was the vice president and had to read his own defeat because the president of the Senate reads the Electoral College results. It was, uh, a, it was an inconvenient reading. <laughs> uh, and, and, of course, and just to add, point out a couple of uh, oddities, Maine and Nebraska have a distinct pre- have a district president. The popular choice gets the two from the Senate, while the others are divided between the candidates based on the percentage received. So most states are winner-take-all states, whereas in whoever gets the popular vote gets all the electoral votes. But there are a couple of ex- exceptions like that. But there's really no strict guidelines to sele- select electorates. Um, uh, they just can't be active senators or, or representatives or be high-ranking officials. Uh, and they can, and they must not be actively involved in an insurrection or rebellion. So, good thing, you know, yeah. Good thing. There. <laughs> and it also they for one last thing they are uh, they elect the president the first Monday after the second Wednesday in December. Right, right. And um, the the only other thing I think I would add, not to get too off track of this, but this whole election process um, actually is what some historians believe is what helped form political parties. And the way I understand it, the framers of the Constitution wanted to avoid any formation of political parties. Um, They were sort of scared of them. But what ended up happening is originally, and you probably know this as well as anybody, Bradley, that the president and vice president votes essentially went to the person who got the, the highest number of votes, and then the second highest number of votes. And so when we first had those elections, of course, everybody wanted to vote for Washington. John Adams was Washington's VP. But then the election of 1796 um, really changed things because then you ended up having the the starting of the Federalist Party, and you had then the, the president elected and then also the vice president from another party. And I think that's when you really solidified this idea that you wanted to um, run as a party ticket. And then things were changed by, I think, 1800s. Then you really mm-hmm. started looking at running so that you would have sort of a, you know, a one-two punch, so to speak, the way we have it now. So yeah. it's just interesting to think you always, when I'm not immersed in this historical perspective a political science in the United States, you know, I always think it's always been the way it is. And, uh, but you know, obviously that's not the case, uh, that it's like that. And, and it's just interesting to be, it almost, <laughs> honestly, to me, it's almost like, man, wouldn't that be a kick is that we gave this to one and two so that if this, you know, ended up happening that Donald Trump lost, he would still get to be the vice president. How would that, how would that run? You know, if we oh. went back to that method, Wow. <laughs> Yeah, or, or, or even or, you know, there's even crazy even situations. Even Biden became the vice president all of a sudden. Oh yeah, my goodness, yeah, that'd be something. Just imagine, imagine this. Uh, we talking about Rutherford B., Rutherford B. Hayes. He won because Colorado didn't have a popular vote; they just had electorates, uh, or they just had electors, and they they cast their votes for him, and they didn't have a popular vote. So that nobody voted in Colorado in that election to get him uh, elected, and there have been. Also, one last thing, there have been two ties that were decided by the House of Representatives, uh, two elections, and it was the Burr and Jefferson and Quincy Adam and John Quincy Adams' election. Uh, which Burr, didn't he end up on the wrong side of a gun after mm-hmm. that? 
There were some uh, problems with that, that's for sure. Now that I've drug us down the deepest rabbit hole that I can get, um, let me try to find our way out of this one. Um, I see I see you got a little something here about Rudy Giuliani. And uh, I think, uh, was that, wasn't um, Donald Trump Jr. or Eric Trump involved with some statements by Rudy Giuliani? When they uh, um, talked about the irregularities of the Yeah, um, yeah, there's voting. just been a lot of weird stuff going on there. Like Rudy Giuliani, uh, he said that they should have called Pennsylvania already and that they've already won, uh, which I think that's been a running theme here, is just calling the election without right. having the, the, the numbers. And in another weird turn of events, Fox News called Arizona early. Uh, that was weird. I was really so. surprised by that because honestly, I switched over to watching Fox and I remember seeing that they had it and then switched back over to some of the other statements that you, you know, stations that you would think are the more left leaning. And, uh, yeah, you saw, they still hadn't called it yet. And, um, you know, NBC stuck to, um, Arizona for a, I mean, stuck to not calling Arizona for a long time from what I could tell. I still remember seeing Chuck Todd talk about it and he's like, no, we're not calling it yet. We're not going to make a mistake. So that was pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, it, it was weird. Uh, and then of course we talked about Trump having the, the speech he gave uh, Thursday night, uh, which is when we're recording this. Um, I took a couple notes. So okay. um, Brad, Bradley's been talking about um, the, the speech that Donald Trump gave tonight, Thursday night. And he has taken a lot of notes about that particular speech um, we're going to go ahead and play a little bit of audio from that. We're not going to play the whole thing, but we'll play that audio and then we'll come back in and we'll talk about some other points about it. Good evening. I'd like to provide the American people with an update on our efforts to protect the integrity of our very important 2020 election. If you count the legal votes, I easily win. If you count the illegal votes, they can try to steal the election from us. If you count the votes that came in late, we're looking at them very strongly. But a lot of votes came in late. I've already decisively won many critical states, including massive victories in Florida, Iowa, Indiana, Ohio. To name just a few, we won these and many other victories despite historic election interference from big media, big money, and big tech. As everybody saw, we won by historic numbers. And the pollsters got it knowingly wrong. They got it knowingly wrong. We had polls that were so ridiculous, and everybody knew it at the time. There was no blue wave that they predicted. They thought there was going to be a big blue wave. That was false. That was done for suppression reasons. But instead, there was a big red wave. And it's been properly acknowledged, actually, by the media. There are now only a few states yet to be decided in the presidential race. The voting apparatus of those states are run in all cases by Democrats. We were winning in all the key locations by a lot, actually. And then our numbers started miraculously getting whittled away in secret. And uh, they wouldn't allow legally permissible observers. We went to court in a couple of instances, and we were able to get the observers put in. And when the observers got there, they wanted them 60, 70 feet away, 80 feet, 100 feet away, or outside the building to observe people inside the building. And we won a case, a big case, and uh, we have others happening. There are a lot of, lots of litigation, even beyond our litigation. There's tremendous 
amount of litigation generally because of how unfair this process was. And I predicted that. I've been talking about mail-in voting for a long time. It's, uh, it's really destroyed our system. It's a corrupt system. And it makes people corrupt even if they aren't by nature. But they become corrupt. It's too easy. They want to find out how many the votes they need, and then they seem to be able to find them. They wait and wait, and then they find them. It's amazing how those mail-in ballots are so one-sided, too. I know that it's supposed to be to the advantage of the Democrats, but in all cases, they're so one-sided. We were up by nearly 700,000 votes in Pennsylvania. I won Pennsylvania by a lot, and uh, that gets whittled down to, I think they said now we're up by 90,000 votes, and they'll keep coming and coming and coming. They find them all over, and they don't want us to have any observers Although we won a court case, the judge said you have to have observers. Likewise, in Georgia, and they're appealing. Actually, they're appealing. Uh, we won a case that we want people to watch, and we want observers, and they're actually appealing, which is sort of interesting. I wonder why that appeal, that all we want to do is have people watch as they do the vote tabulations. Likewise, in Georgia, I won by a lot, a lot, with a lead of over getting close to 300,000 votes on election night in Georgia. And by the way, it got whittled down. And now it's getting to be to a point where I'll go from winning by a lot to perhaps being even down a little bit. The 11th Circuit ruled that in Georgia, the votes have been in by election day, that they should be in by election day. And they weren't. Votes are coming in after election day. And uh, they had a ruling already that you have to have the votes in by Election Day. To the best of my knowledge, votes should be in by Election Day. And uh, they didn't do that. Democrat officials never believed they could win this election honestly. I really believe that. That's why they did the mail-in ballots where there's tremendous corruption and fraud going on. And you've seen it, all the officials overseeing the counting in Pennsylvania and other key states are all part of a corrupt Democrat machine that you've written about. And for a long time, you've been writing about the corrupt Democrat machine. I went to school there, and I know a lot about it. It hasn't changed a long time ago and hasn't changed. It's gotten worse. In Pennsylvania, partisan Democrats have allowed ballots in the state to be received three days after the election. And we think much more than that. And they are counting those without even postmarks or any identification whatsoever, which is a little strange. I challenge Joe and every Democrat to clarify that they only want legal votes because they talk about votes, and I think they should use the word legal, legal votes. We want every legal vote counted, and I want every legal vote counted. We want openness and transparency, no secret count rooms, no mystery ballots, no illegal votes being cast after election day. You have election day, and the laws are very strong on that. You have an election day, and they don't want votes cast after election day, and they want the process to be an honest one. It's so important. We want an honest election, and we want an honest count, and we want honest people working back there because it's a very important job. So that's the way this country is going to win. That's the way the United States will win, and we think we will win the election very easily. We think there's going to be 
a lot of litigation because we have so much evidence, so much proof, and it's going to end up perhaps at the highest court in the land. We'll see. But we think there'll be a lot of litigation because we can't have an election stolen like this. And I, I tell you, I would... I have been talking about this for many months with all of you, and I've said very strongly that mail-in ballots are going to end up being a disaster. Small elections were a disaster. Small, very easy-to-handle elections were disastrous. Uh, this is a large-scale version, and it's getting worse and worse every day. We're hearing stories that are horror stories, absolute horror stories. And we can't let that happen to the United States of America. It's not a question of who wins, Republican, Democrat, Joe, myself. We can't let that happen to our country. We can't be disgraced by having something like this happen. Hopefully cleared up, maybe soon, I hope soon. But it'll probably go through a process, a legal process. And uh, as you know, I've claimed certain states, and uh, he's claiming states, and we can both claim the states. But ultimately, I have a feeling judges are going to have to rule. But there's been a lot of shenanigans, and we can't uh, stand for that in our country. Thank you very much. All right. Well, that's the uh, audio that we have. And Bradley, let's let's get into some of your notes. Yeah. Um, first, I felt like he was very focused on his notes, uh, almost robotic. It wasn't really. It wasn't the the Trump that we're used to seeing the off the cuff the off the cuff sort of. Uh, shooting from the hip, Trump. You know, he he really seemed to be dialed in, and maybe that's what his handlers wanted to have him more on message. Um, uh, but of course, he claimed victory. He said there's a red wave instead of a blue wave, and that the media acknowledged it. Uh, he said that Republicans lost no races in the House, which they actually did. Um, he said the year of the it was the year of the Republican woman. More Republican women were elected this year than any in, than ever before. Uh, I haven't looked into that. Um, he said he also won the biggest share of non-white voters of any Republican in 60 years. I haven't had the chance to fact check fact check that. Uh, uh, media polling was election interference by special interest. Phony polls, fake polls. Uh, poll, there were polls were suppression polls. He, he, he went on about the polls being... Uh, you know, used as tools of suppression of voters. Yeah, I, uh, I'd never heard that. Just jump in for a second. I'd never heard that term applied to polls before and how he said they were really used as suppression devices. And yeah. uh, that was interesting to hear that. Yeah. Um, he gives some examples of the pollsters getting stuff wrong and all this stuff. Uh, talks a lot about poll watchers and making them stand 100 feet outside the building. Uh he says lots of litigation beyond our litigation, uh, which there are some other litigation points in Pennsylvania, other places. Mail-in voting is a corrupt system. He says they find their votes after the election. He said uh, they find their votes after the election. Uh, a, pipe, a pipe burst in Georgia, and a lot of things happened. They stopped counting for four hours in places that weren't affected. Um, we won't allow our corruption to steal such an important election. Our job is to support the integrity of this election. They are trying to steal and rig this election. Um, Democrats never thought they could win the election fairly, and so they sent unsolicited ballots, um, which also to fact check that on the side, they actually, in certain states, the way you know they send ballots to everyone who's a registered voter a lot of times. Uh, voters are voting without signatures, and, and poll workers are doing 
very bad things. Uh, Pennsylvania has been uh, allowing ballots to be received three days after election. The observers were barred from watching their elections. As a result, one hub covered windows with cardboard. Ballots appeared at four in the morning in Detroit the morning after the election. They've been denied access in Georgia. Almost all ballots that arrived in Georgia after the election had Biden's name on them. We want all legal votes counted. We want an honest election. We want an honest count. There's been a lot of shenanigans, and that's all the notes I have. <laughs> I remember the, uh, the the talk about shenanigans. Okay, so I, I had actually told Bradley, sorry to admit to people, that my computer is going to die soon, <laughs> and I'm going to try to jump into this and see what we can do. We're still uh, recording, so that's good. And Bradley, what I may do if I lose you is I'll continue to read this list, but we'll see how it goes. So USA Today came through and um, did some fact-checking on what Trump had said. And here is uh, one of the things Trump said. Uh, We're winning in all the key locations by a lot, actually, and then our numbers started miraculously getting whittled away in secret. Uh, The fact that they say is Trump led initial returns in several states, including Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, because early tallies included primarily in-person Election Day votes, which skewed towards Trump. Trump supporters were less inclined to take part in the expanded mail voting um, than Biden supporters, so Trump supporters overwhelmingly dominated Election Day vote. Biden supporters dominated mail voting by 2 to 1 margin. Michigan, this is Trump, Michigan. We won the state in Wisconsin. We did likewise fantastically well. And that got whittled down in every case they got whittled down. Here's the facts according to USA Today. Trump did not win either state. He was leading in early returns in every state as counties tally votes and turned them into state election officials. The race changes. But the final outcome is not set until all counties report their votes. And until election officials tally any early votes or absentee votes cast within the state's prescribed timeline. In Michigan and Wisconsin, Trump's early lead diminished as additional votes were tallied. According to the unofficial vote totals, Biden won Michigan with 150,000 more votes than the president in the state with 2,787,544 votes to Trump's 2,637,173. Bradley, any quick comments about that while I look for a couple more facts? I mean, you know, uh, there's a lot of stuff, especially to be said about the polls and the way that they boarded up the windows. Um, From what I gathered in a lot of those situations, it seems like uh, in one situation in Detroit, the people were, it was actually, what, in poll watchers? I think it was a group of protesters. It seemed like counting... uh, Stop that count! Stop that count! And they were taking pictures of poll of people counting ballots, which uh, I think there's some question on the legality of that. Uh, it, it just seemed more or less like some of the stuff. And I'm not saying the the, the instance where the ballot showed up at 3:30 in the morning on the doorstep. Uh, I did see articles that supported that, and but I couldn't. Like I saw, it was the Detroit uh, Free Press, I think was what it was. I've got the statement that Trump said about that. Um, In Detroit, when our observers attempted to challenge that activity, the poll workers jumped in front of the volunteers to block their view so that they couldn't see what they were doing. 
and it became a little bit dangerous. Now, the fact checkers, some 134 Republican poll challengers were already inside the vote counting area when this happened, along with a similar number of Democratic and independent observers. Poster boards were placed on some of the windows inside the counting area because protesters outside were yelling and the counters inside to stop the count and disrupting and threatening workers. Um, Trump repeated a series of inaccurate and misleading statements about vote counting efforts in the city. The allegations mirrored those included in conspiracy theories circulated on the internet, repeatedly debunked by the Detroit Free Press. And I think that's where you were um, talking yeah, about that. that was it. And, and others throughout the day. Uh, batches of unaccounted for ballots showing up late, poll observers being denied access to watch ballots um, to be counted, and poll workers duplicating ballots. Um, none of these are true. No evidence has, has been presented by Trump um, or his campaign. Uh, they're basically just simply saying that it is that way. Okay. okay, so here's some things about mail-in voting. Statement. It's amazing how those mail-in ballots are so one-sided. Fact. Trump himself voted by mail, but has actively rallied against, excuse me, has actively railed against mail voting for months. His supporters showed them twice as likely to vote on election day than early by mail. Another statement by Trump. I talked about mail-in voting for a long time. It's really destroying our system. It's a corrupt system. The fact checkers, mail-in voting has long been used around the country. In fact, five states vote exclusively by mail in all their elections. I did not know that. Colorado, Hawaii, Oregon, Washington, and Utah. Um, Utah notably has a state government dominated by Republicans and voted for Trump in the 2020 election. Yeah, it was the Detroit Free Press. Uh, they they had mentioned that they had found found it, but it, there was missing ballots. Um, as Michigan continues to count votes, federal case searches for missing mail ballots. Uh, and they had, they said that there was a drop that there was a drop off of ballot. Okay. They're they're not necessarily <clears throat> saying that it's. It, but the whole dropping off ballots thing, I'm not saying that it's – I mean, I don't think it's illegal is mm. what I'm saying. Right, um, right. Yeah, so, um, you know, talking about all this, what's fact and fiction, let's talk about the election claims that we're going to fact check. Um, so ballot dumping. I've seen a lot of pictures of people saying uh, – of poll workers – Hi, everybody. We are back. Um, we have a tiny bit of technical difficulty there. Evidently, laptops need 100% power to be able to run, and mine <laughs> did not necessarily have that. So in the interim, there have been some uh, crazy things happening out there, and the count has continued, and it looks like that according to most polls, especially the Associated Press, they have declared Joe Biden the president-elect. And as you can probably imagine, uh, Donald Trump isn't necessarily taking that very well. Bradley, where, where does that leave us now for the rest of our conversation? Well, uh, and I think part of Donald Trump's uh, his conjecture with the election results is there's a lot of things going around about possible voter fraud and, uh, you know, different things, poll worker, you know, corrupt poll workers. So I thought let's just dive into that, and we we're gonna 
there's really no possible way to fact check it off, but we'll fact check what we can. And I'm going to fact check what I saw uh, coming across my feed. Um, so the first thing I saw was the the ballot dumping. I saw multiple posts like this. Uh, there was an Erie, Pennsylvania poll worker uh, at C underscore Bass on Instagram put, been working at a poll station in Erie County, Pennsylvania all morning. A lot of people have already voted today. I've thrown out over a hundred ballots for Trump already. Pennsylvania going to turn blue in 2020. Uh, I've ch- looked into that. That is false. He is actually not from the area at all. Uh, he, he just posted and later. He clarified that it was a joke. However, there was a woman named Jacqueline O'Hara who uh, said that she threw away Trump ballots. Bad things are happening in Philadelphia, she said. As a poll worker, I swear under oath to throw away all Trump ballots when I'm counting. The verdict, this one is a bit unclear because she is from the area and she did work in the polls, but shortly after this post, she deleted all of her social media accounts, so I'm not sure, but the authorities were looking into it in Philadelphia at this time. Um, where where did those, now, where did those posts come from? Like what feed uh, or what news source or they who's, were on who's their, covering those their things? Personal, they were on their personal Facebook and Instagram pages. Uh, so these people I, were poll workers working at working at particular sites. And one then, was and one wasn't. Yes. Okay. One they was. They both one claim wasn't. to be. Okay. And the, and they're saying that they personally are corrupting the election by by getting rid of ballots for Trump. Yes. Interesting. That is, that is the claim. But one of them was a poll worker, like I said, and mm-hmm. one was not. But I think the authorities are on it. And uh, I think another thing is we're definitely going to get a recount in probably more more states than we'd probably want to, uh, which, I, I mean, I'm all for democracy and transparency and all that. So, I mean, if they feel like they're, if they deem it's necessary to get a recount, then by all means, go ahead. Uh, but I guess we'll just wait and see. The, the next claim... Uh, was the Arizona ballots that had been canceled and not voted. People were checking their uh, the online app there to basically see the uh, the status of their ballot, see what happened, and a lot of people were getting uh, canceled ballot notifications. Uh, I checked into this, and it was true. Um, but since the Arizona uh, Secretary of State has came out and said that they are looking into it and they, that those ballots have been counted, uh, it's, this situation is better known as Sharpie Gate. It it blew up real big. Um, oh, some the ballots, Sharpie. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so, yeah. Some ballots apparently wouldn't read in the in the machines. So usually the protocol is if they don't read the machines, they'll stick them in a file in front of the machine, like a different compartment. And they'll hand count them later uh, if they're unreadable. But the polling places themselves were handing out some pens that weren't readable at different locations, and I think the the main the main uh, County questions Maricopa County. Uh, there is a they've they have a um, recorder a vote recorder a Maricopa County recorder Adrian Fontes I believe I'm saying that pronounced hopefully uh, he's already had a lawsuit brought against him in the primaries because he I don't know if there was a, a, a snafu with printing ballots he didn't want to print more ballots so he said if you get your mail-in ballots you get your mail-in ballots and you mark the wrong candidate to mark it out with a Sharpie and return it and mark a different candidate and they will be counted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he got a lot of flack under that. In fact, I believe that the Republic, of course the Republicans uh, control the, the committee there for, but they took election 
day, I guess, duties away from him uh, a little bit back. I think it was the midterms. I, I don't have that information right here. But they did take that away from him, but he's still in charge of basically information on ballots. And they took him. The lawsuit basically alleges that he put he also put these instructions on the ballots themselves. And they tried to they he did it during the primaries. They tried to get it undone for the main election. Uh, nothing happened there. So, but but they did say the ballots were counted. Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, that, so, that's so where 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 does that leave your impression on Donald Trump's claims that there are fraudulent practices going on? that are causing him to lose and not necessarily well or not allowing him to win. Maybe that's the phraseology I should use. Where, where do you stand on that then based on those things? I think that in order to, to prove uh, that there is voter fraud, you would really have to, it would have to be on a wide, like a, you know, a big scale, a large enough scale to cost him the whole election and whole States. I meant, Especially the way the Democrats performed in, in other, uh, you know, elections, losing, uh, how you know, not getting the House seats they needed. Uh, they do have two runoffs in Georgia. Uh, I guess that could be. I don't know. You know how that could lead into this or that. But it did go blue for Biden. And I'll go ahead and tell you now. We'll, we'll talk about that later. And I don't think Republicans need to be worried about those Senate seats. Uh, but I, I think that if there was widespread voter voter fraud that we would have more indicators one weird thing i saw there's also a graphic going around about wisconsin and said that they had more registered voters um then they had people and you hear this every election cycle there's always this hey there's more people voting than there are registered voters uh and of course I, I checked this personally myself looked on the website uh and they have, I think they had 3.7 million voters, and they had about 3.2 million votes votes cast. So they didn't have more results than they didn't have more results than they did voters. But at the same time, that if you look at the voter turnout across the country, Alabama had 62% voter turnout. Uh, the median across the country is about 55% for every state, and that's 92 some odd percent voter turnout, which seems astronomical that is an astronomical voter turnout but one thing that could also play into that would be um that wisconsin is a same day voter registration state so you can walk in the about the to the polls right. day of the election and and uh, vote so and but that's sort of also and this is just running it through my purview and this is not necessarily a, a fact but just sort of my thinking to get one million people to register and vote the day of i mean let's say that it's 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 across the board, you know. It sort of tracks with basically the the average or a little above average voting. That means you'd have to have you know 1.5 million voters to register and vote the same day on election day because the numbers I got were as of November 1st, and that just seems. I mean, if they did it, you know, congratulations to the Democratic Party for getting the vote out, but it it does seem very. Uh, I'm I'm not saying that there's anything nefarious going on, but it seems crazy, you know, to to get that turnout. Well, isn't isn't this one thing about their having you know more votes cast than there were actually registered voters? Isn't that something we already covered a little bit with the USA Today article? In that, and if it isn't one that, then I, I think it's something that I had certainly um, looked into, and it was that 
they were using 2018 um, voter registration numbers compared to 2020, and they should have been using 2020 in both cases. And so they were actually using old data to say how many were registered versus um, how many truly were. And, and then and that, and that was just either that was just a mistake or that was deliberately done to try to say uh, that it was incorrect. You yeah, know I read the I think in the in the AP actually went after USA Today for a little bit for this. There was a little back and forth. Seemed like is there? Yeah, um, if I can find the AP article. Uh, but yeah, the AP seemed to because I think that the thing was that the USA Today was saying, hey, if you look at the way that you know people who are registered, you know, it's a high amount. But if you look at the voter aged, you know, people, that it's right on track. But it didn't make sense to me. Some maybe then that could be my comprehension of the article. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I'm not necessarily comprehending it based on what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, the the, the yeah the AP sort of uh, they are they basically agreed with the $3.6 million number. Um, 3.6 million voter number. Yeah. The, the, uh, the registered voters, that's how many there are. The associated press assessment, according to the Wisconsin elections commission, the state had 3.68, uh, you know, million active registered voters as of November 1st, as of Wednesday afternoon, they had on, they had been nearly three to three million. Uh, there had been nearly 3.3 million ballots counted in the presidential race according to the Associated Press. So they are and that was reported, you know, yesterday after the USA Today article. So uh, so all that's really counted all that is um pointing to is just really high actual voting. It's not necessarily yes. saying that, no. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all yeah, that yeah. it's pointing to. So I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what that to to me it may seem unusual, but to me that doesn't mean any sort of provable lying or cheating yeah, or oh, fraud. Yeah, yeah we're still a, a country that believes in innocent who proven guilt, guilty, and I believe that you'd need a lot of evidence to sort of back that up. Right, and that's that's really was your point. Yeah, yeah, about yeah. yeah. I'm that. saying that it, that it's. I'm not even necessarily saying it's suspect. Saying that it is strange to have such high vote out, and that maybe there's some information that we are missing, and maybe. USA Today is right. Uh, uh, the Let's see. We have a couple more things here. Okay. Another claim was that in Detroit, tens of thousands of ballots were dropped off as of 3.30 a.m. the day after the election. Um, again, that was unclear. I couldn't really find anything definitive on that. Uh, there were reports about showing up at the counting location, but there wasn't really anything else that I could find. Um, yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't necessarily find anything specific about that, too. Um uh, I'm just trying to think. I think it was just other than if they did show, um, they were just trying to say it was just part of a delivery that like took a longer time to get there, but they were all, yeah. they were all still being done within the proper time. Now, yeah, in Pennsylvania, partisan Democrats have allowed the ballots to be received three days after the election. And we think much more than that. This is Donald Trump saying these things. And yeah. they are counting those with any identification whatsoever. So you don't have postmarks, you don't have identification. And then we've got the fact. On October nineteenth, the US Supreme Court, Court on October nineteenth, the US Supreme Court allowed Pennsylvania 
to accept mail-in ballots up to three days after the November 3rd election. The ruling was considered a victory for Democrats, and the court was divided 4-4, upholding the state Supreme Court decision that allowed counties to receive these ballots by November 6th, even without a clear postmark. There we go. That's that's the one that I think um, later this month, uh, later last month, Supreme Court then declined a request from Pennsylvania Republicans seeking an expedited review of the state Supreme Court's decision. Um, that I mean, that's the one where um, I could see how they would have, um, you know, a problem with with ballots that would come in that would not have clear postmarks. Yeah, and and there's been a similar situation in Georgia, but not that they don't have postmarks, I believe, but that they would count the ballots and they were disposing of the envelopes. So, which is going to lead to a situation where if a recount happens uh, and you don't have the envelopes, of course, it would be, I mean, I'm pretty sure it would be a pain in the neck to try to keep these envelopes, you know, run them through the scanners, keep them with the envelope that they're with. Oh yeah, I see what you're saying now. Right. So how do you identify the ones that did or didn't have the correct yeah. postmark on them? Be- because unlike Pennsylvania, I'm pretty sure Georgia was very strict on the uh, the postmark guidelines. Uh, and then right. another weird thing that happened in the primaries was the hand sanitizer incident, and they they were apparently happening again. People were getting hand sanitizer on the ballots, and that is true. Uh, we actually had that story. I don't know if we covered it on the podcast, but I saw it during the primaries. People were. And it, it happened in Arizona again, uh, of all places. People were sending out uh, basically calls to, like, hey, do not use hand sanitizer. Dry your hands well before you uh, send these ballots in because the, the hand sanitizer will interfere with the laser and you won't get a reading on your ballot. Oh. Um, so that was another weird thing. And let's see, the last thing that I have here. Um, now, this may be the strangest one of them all that I witnessed myself. Uh and I've talked to multiple people, and I haven't gotten a confirmation of how this could happen, but then they ended up coming out and clarifying it, but they didn't clarify it fully. I'll just go ahead and come out with it. So there were – I was watching the vote tallies, election nuts, uh, of course looking for Joe Jorgensen votes because, yeah, I'm that guy. Uh, like, well, we got 20,000 in Pennsylvania, but all of a sudden they would jump down. She lost, uh, she lost around 19,000 votes, I think about 9 o'clock. And these are reported vote counts. Some people tried to say that these were projections, projections, but they were vote counts. And so she and and I just didn't understand how she could lose nineteen thousand. And then around midnight, she lost forty two thousand. And it was very weird just watching it live. And I've never seen that happen. Basically, votes come in, counted votes come in, and then all of a sudden somebody loses twenty thousand, you know, forty thousand votes. Never seen that. Uh, I'm not saying anything nefarious is going on, but I, it's just strange to me. Uh, and then a statement was released to the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania that uh, they said that we've been made aware of discrepancy in the count last night from what we have been able to ascertain. Washington County misreported Joe Biden's vote count as Joe Jorgensen's vote count. A correction was made. All this happened shortly after midnight. We have been made aware of this, and should this turn out to be something else, we will inform everyone. Uh, but that doesn't base that doesn't account for the other time it happened at nine o'clock. So I don't know if they just didn't know it happened then. Um, uh, so it explains one, one incident and I've looked into the, I thought maybe they, cause some people still do use uh, hand counted ballots. I thought maybe this could be an error in hand counted ballots, you know, getting the tallies. Uh, but the precinct in question uses the DS 200 precinct counter, which could, which to me wouldn't make sense on how they were misreported, especially within a short amount of time, the votes changed in 10 to 20 minutes. Uh, 
So if they change them back, I guess that's fine. And we're going to have a recount in Pennsylvania more than likely with the litigation. Uh, but I just thought that was strange. Hmm. Sure. Sure. It's, I mean, it certainly sounds pretty irregular. Uh, to say the least, especially if you are, you know, from voting with the Libertarian Party and then you're closely watching those numbers and then all of a sudden you lose those numbers. Do you do you happen to know, and we don't have to look this up, but I think I've heard uh, or, or have seen in a couple different posts that people put on Facebook who were voting Libertarian, the reason why the Libertarian vote still counted and that was because if they got a certain percentage of the votes, then they would be allowed yeah. to then be um, part of the debates. Yeah. Um, the, the, can you explain so, that to us? Yeah. From what I have gathered, and I've seen some other people say this ain't completely true, but I, I'm pretty sure it is, is that if the Libertarian Party gets 5% of the vote, and that's mostly, mostly why I voted Libertarian, if they get 5% of the, uh, of the vote – in the in the general election or in the you know, the presidential election, that they will have ballot access automatically. Um, whereas I think this time they they really worked really hard to get on the ballot in all fifty states, and they were the only other party on the ballot in all fifty states. Um, they worked really hard to do that. Uh, but in some states like Alabama, in order to be classified under the Libertarian Party to have the name attached, you have to have I think fifty thousand votes. But in order to be registered as an independent, you only need five thousand or not, excuse me, 50,000 signatures, but in order to be registered as an independent, you need 5,000 signatures. But if they had 5%, they'd be given ballot access. They'd be given uh, debate access, I believe, uh, which is, I think so that also – Let me slow you down here for a second. So you're saying that debate access is the same type of criteria as ballot access? Yes, because I believe okay. they – yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's – yeah, I mean that's honestly part of the reason why – I would say not to completely take us away from all of our recap, but going into kind of rationale for, you know, what we did and how we chose how we voted. Um, that was certainly one of the things that I had in my mind was that I wanted to have, you know, some possibility of just a third person within these debates um, yeah. and to, to see another perspective. And I think what, I had either explained off recording or had explained during recording with you and me um, with our technical difficulties. I couldn't tell you which one was which at this point, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I just think we would, I would really like to see a third voice um, in these debates. And I don't necessarily agree with all the things that, that the libertarian party espouses and there does seem to be some pretty um, big polar differences even mm -hmm. within the libertarian party on what they um, stand for and which makes complete sense because you could certainly look at um, parts of the democratic party that are pretty polarized and what they stand for and and same thing within the republican party at, at this point you know whether or not you're still a republican and you voted for trump or not or if you're in the Democratic Party and you voted for Biden or not, or you support um, various movements that have that have occurred within, um, you know, under the auspices and quotes of the Democratic Party in their name. Um, so anyway, I just feel like it's important that we would actually have a third voice in those conversations, and if anything, just to challenge both sides, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and not have it come from not just have a Republican challenging a Democrat and, you know, and, 
or a Democrat challenging a Republican, but just sort of have someone in there in between. Um, how, what do you think about all that? Man, I think that uh, especially if you look at voter turnout, especially among young people, uh, massive turnout, probably the biggest, I think it's the biggest, uh, you know, millennial turnout and you know ever really for the presidential election which is a caveat that i think i've seen a lot of people sort of miss they say oh we had the biggest turnout for biden but if you look in the primaries it, the young voter vote was uh pretty much non-existent like the primary like they had the lowest you know some of the lowest numbers they've had which primaries are different in general elections but there wasn't enthusiasm and i think some of that might have been been to do you know had to do with the uh, I guess the perceived uh, treating of Bernie Sanders as a candidate, uh, I, I definitely would think that that would play into their their decision not to go vote at the during the primaries if they think that their uh, if their votes they're they're going to have their votes suppressed anyway. And, and I'm not saying like illegally or anything. I'm not saying that that. I'm just saying like uh, the Democrat, the DNC as a whole, if they the way they treated Bernie, uh, if if they don't feel like their vote counted. So I'm going to be interesting to see. Uh, how it is going going forward, and even the midterms, we had a huge voter turnout for young people. Uh, the 2018 midterms had a huge voter uh, turnout among millennials. So the primaries being the outlier here, that's when you have to figure out, well, why is that, and uh, how can they change that? And there's been a lot of infighting already with the Democrats. There was a the Daily Mail got, and I think it was leaked on Twitter. Uh, there was a a secret call. Uh, made between the Democrats, and this is leaked and uh, verified. And some some of those who had lost tore into the other, you know, these these Democrats they deemed far left, and they said they lost us with this, uh, you know, they lost it for us with this police, uh, this you know, anti-police movement. And it leaked online and stuff. Uh, let me see if I can find the article here. But and not not only that, you have Republicans against each other. Uh, I've recently been a lot of in a lot of Howie Hawkins groups. I joined one just to see what they were saying in their post-election stuff, and they were really mad. You know, they're like, you know, we didn't have enough, you know, Biden people who support, or not Biden, they didn't have enough Bernie people who, you know, refused Biden. We then there were a lot of people uh, who were anti. You know, there's a lot of anti-Trumpers who voted Libertarian. There was a lot of not a lot. I think he got point two percent, point three percent of the vote. A lot of Howie Hawkins some Howie Hawkins uh, voters who were anti-Biden, who wanted the Bernie Sanders ticket, and they just, uh, you know, sort of voted against that that narrative, especially with Kamala Harris's, uh, her record, the you know, the Biden's 1994 crime bill that he passed that he touted in the 2008 run, and then has sort of been swept under the rug since then. Uh, Kamala Harris is a DA. Kamala, I'm sorry. Uh, Kamala Harris is a DA. Um uh, just basically her record uh, with, with drug offenses, especially for uh, minorities and African-Americans. I think that there's a divide in the Democratic Party that some, that most put aside, but there's still some that I don't think these four years are going to be crucial for Democrats, especially, I mean, and Republicans, but it's just to see, you know, what he does in these four years, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, I tell you, that that was a lot of info that you shared with us there. And I'm trying to <clears throat> uh, sort of put it all back in the, the think of in terms that I can I can gather with it all because a lot of that's new information to me and I don't doubt any of it. Um, I think that yeah, I mean the the point that we've got um, people that were uh, 
not Republican, not Democratic, and and which way do they lean, and and yeah. which day did they which way did they potentially vote if they voted for either Trump or Biden? I think mm-hmm. certainly is is an issue that we think about, and and I think what I would see, and just completely using Facebook social media as my barometer for this, but it seems like. I would see more people who were quote unquote neutral who, and and I'm not just picking on you (laughs) because you know, I've already picked on you for this, but who would seem like they, although they were going to potentially vote neutral, they were more critical of Biden on a, on a much more frequent basis than they were ever critical of Trump, which, which led me to believe in my mind that these people who were doing this um, were, were more sympathetic to Trump and might even potentially vote mm-hmm. for him. Um, and then, you know, there might've been somebody like myself who disagreed heavily with Trump, um, but then was siding more with Biden. And I mean, I think that was pretty obvious sometimes with what it seemed like the way that I would, um, have my comments, but you know, in, in the long run, uh, one of the things that I didn't do necessarily was always try to, um, criticize Trump constantly. Um, and, and, or I, but honestly, I didn't really praise Biden that much either. Mm -hmm. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of times that I was like, this is the best man, you know, for us, uh, at this time. And and I think a lot of that for me was I just didn't want to play the character assassination of Trump, which I, you know, I, I don't think he has a good character, but it, that was nothing that I wanted to jump into to try to say that's my rationale for why I don't want to vote for yeah, this guy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, do, did you see then any more leaning of people who would, you know, be quote unquote neutral, but then actually supported Trump on a more regular basis. Uh, am, am I even remotely right in making any kind of assumption like that? Hey, I, I don't think you're too far off base. Personally, for me, just in my personal experience, um, what I sort of my rationale, I, I would say that I probably went after Biden more than Trump because I think I felt more threatened by him, uh, by him than I did Trump's re-election necessarily does that make sense and, and then even if we're threatened by biden's so, election than trump's re-election yes is that what you mean is. okay yeah yeah sorry for the uh no the it's lack okay of clarity there Mm-mm. uh but i think that sometimes the devil you know is better than the devil you don't i guess and so mm-hmm. even if trump was re-elected in my opinion uh there's a lot of things i didn't agree with um that he did a lot of i mean he was probably one of the least conservative republicans we've had uh, I mean, in a, in, a, in a little bit, I would say, especially because he's just so flippant on the way that he, uh, you know, he passes gun laws uh, and other things like that. You know, we could get into all that another day. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's that's good. I, I don't mean to cut you off or any of that. I yeah, mean, I ahead. think that's that that's something that I've been wondering the entire time. And it really, <clears throat> as I said, it wasn't just you. Um, other people that um, whom I know, who I thought. Um, you know, we're, we're rational, sane uh, people. And, and they though, um, seem to, uh, constantly be more on attack, um, with mm-hmm. Biden 
and, and I do mean in some cases attack versus, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I guess, and you know, I'm, I'm asking, you know, I know, I'm asking for too much if if I want people on social media to not use convenient memes and whatever else it is to describe the way they feel about a particular yeah. political candidate. Um, it's, it's not the forum where the majority of people are going to give these, you know, well thought, well thought out civil sounding, um, you know, discourses on who they think is the best candidate or who they think has problems. I mean, it just, it's, it's, it was never created for that. It's not really used for that. And, yeah. um, and I guess, you know, that, that was always my, my ploy in my head, my, my plea in my head and occasionally my plea in Facebook. But I think you and I did something that, um, honestly, you know, I, I don't see it too many places. If you look at the, the types of podcasts that are out there or Facebook groups, there aren't that many places out there that are attempting to make these civil discourses, you know, these, yeah. these discourses among friends, so to speak, um, where you try to, you know, say your point and not attack the person, um, when we're saying that point. So I guess in, in one respect, you know, I, I applaud us for still making that effort. Um, I applaud, uh, the three listeners that we have, <laughs> uh, was it Pat Perry, Sean, uh, anyway, um, you know, I, I applaud those, those, those folks for contributing, but then also, you know, what we've been able to say. And, and I will, you know, honestly say that, um, at least for me, this has been kind of an exercise in, seeing the other side of the argument. And honestly, that's what I've always wanted to do anyway, when I talk politics is, mm -hmm. is I've always wanted to try to see, and you know, I guess for me, real, realistically speaking, it's one of the best ways to have a well found, well supported argument for yourself is to know what the other side's argument is and, mm -hmm. and see it from a rational standpoint, not just an emotional standpoint. Um, so I'm rambling a little bit on there, but I guess, yeah. um, you know, no, I, I think, I, I, yeah, I think it's all good information there. Yeah. Um, and I also think it's sort of, uh, I guess when I got into politics, uh, 10 or so years ago, uh, as a teen, you have more built up emotion, I guess. And a lot of times, you know, younger people have more, uh, you know, this more emotion and, and sometimes you get more vitriol from, uh, from teenagers do for, you know, for whatever reason, hormones and all this stuff. But as times went on, especially this election cycle, I've went after Biden pretty good, I would say, sometimes, uh, and Trump, too, but not as much. But also, uh, I saw somebody one day uh, tr and try to basically say that because he had strokes, that he was, because uh, Biden had two strokes in 1988, that he and had brain operations, that he just, he said he couldn't do anything and that he was just a, a vegetable and all this stuff. And I was like, dude, it was like, and I I went in on him. I probably won't repeat some of the stuff here. Uh, you know, nothing too bad, but, I, you know, just to keep the discourse civil. But I went in on this guy because I feel like that that was a, a, an unfair characterization of him based on that. I mean, does he have gaffes and uh, he does have a speech impediment, you know, a, a very bad stutter that he's worked on throughout his life that I think uh, uh, my aunt-in-law, I guess, she's a speech, speech pathologist and she works, you know, I study, I stutter on Pete's speech pathologist. How ironic is that? Uh, she, you know, she works in that, in that field and she has, and she, I talked to her about it basically 
not not in and you know on a grand scale, but I basically just sent some comments back and forth, and and she and she sort of explained the the signs of it, and she had a good post on Facebook about it that really helped me understand uh, some of what he went through. Some of the times mm. when he pauses and he has to collect himself, and of course that's completely different than the the, the botching numbers and and all this stuff. That's completely separate. But I think right. that there's Biden got a lot of unfair criticism just because people think that it's sort of like if, and i think it's also a situation where if you're a big enough person uh you know as far as a, a national you know national recognition name recognition you can do whatever you want to him. you can say whatever you want to him and get away with it make death threats to him uh and, and, and everything's hunky-dory really and i think that that's one of the things in political discourse that's probably the most vile of them all you know now, the, who who is making death threats i don't um you lost me on that one Oh, I'm just saying, you can, I guarantee you. mean like people you, on Facebook are doing this, or what, on, what do you mean? On Twitter, on Twitter, you know, oh, basically okay. saying that, that if, oh, if if Biden died, you know, I'd be fine with it, him and Kamala and all this stuff. Okay, I not mean, not, can, not not threat so much as just this yeah, yeah. this whole thing about yeah. Who, yeah. what is the succession of who gets president and, and that kind of stuff. Because, yeah, I mean, the, the topic has certainly come up, and I think we need to, um, you know, give some... Uh, a bit of discourse to uh, some bit of discussion to the fact that um, Kamala Harris is now the vice president elect. And, and as they have made um, points, she is um, the first African American and the first Asian American because her, she, her mom is from uh, India uh, mm-hmm. directly and uh, who is in the, in the position of being a vice president, um, which then, of course, Barack Obama, the first uh, American president who has African African American uh, heritage, but um, you know the, the discussion is, well, gosh, Joe Biden's going to be so old um, when he does this. Will he survive through it? Can he survive through it? And the vice president's just right there. Well, yeah, that's that's why um, he put her up there, and that's why she got elected. So that's certainly either either a topic of, you know, I think on the Democratic side and possibly not just the Democratic Party, but that's that's certainly a topic of high praise um, for America coming this far to be willing to um, have someone on a ticket like that and elect them. Um, mm-hmm. But then again, it's also fodder for people who don't think she, um, um, uh, you know, is supposed to be there based on her record when it comes to all the convictions, as you were talking about uh, mm-hmm. with the crime bill that date back so far. And then of course the times they said that she laughed when she was, you know, when she was talking about locking up people who are, you know, for yeah. marijuana possession and when now it's legal, that, that type of stuff. So I think a lot of that's going to have to be played out um, now in, in office and kind of see where they are. I, you, I don't think you can say that everything else she's done in the past doesn't matter anymore. But uh, man, this is a whole new ball game, right? I mean, oh yeah, being there as the vice president, you know, being being in office. Now, I guess we should say, um, uh, change, changing course here just one time, that uh, when Al Gore contested. The election in Florida, it lasted 35 days. Yes. Um, that, that's the number that I have heard. So at the very least, 
<laughs> since Trump likes to be the best and the most of anything, we can probably say he's one, he's going to want to take this 36 days <laughs> at yeah. the most to say I fought longer and harder than any other person, um, you know, for these results. Now, I don't know if the, if the process is going to allow for 36 days, but, um, so what do we think about, uh, Trump again, all of the allegations that we have, um, not conceding, uh, what, what's your overall opinion on that, Bradley? Uh, we won't have an, any election results before Christmas, I don't think. Um, right. And from from there, as far as how successful they'll go, um, if anything, and especially, uh, you know, we we talked about, oh, I don't know if we talked about it, but talking about, you know, the biggest losers of this election, you know, early on people were saying the poll, the pollsters, the, all these pollsters, they're they're so far off. You know, they said ten point, you know, wins for Biden in these states and this state. And it's not, but one thing you'll see as as I think the counts keep continuing is you'll get a lot more blue votes, a lot more Democratic votes from these metropolitan areas that are taking a little bit longer to count their votes and get them in. And uh, the, I mean, the polls will still be off, but I don't think they will be as off as they are as they were. You know, as you're as you're waking up, you know, Wednesday morning after the election, and you're seeing the numbers here. They're not going to be as off as that. Um, yeah, and, I, and, I, I would agree with that. I mean, there, the the election has not been fully counted yet. So, you know, we, we have these predictions that the media are doing and saying that, you know, everything, can, the way the numbers are, it looks like there's no way that Donald Trump can come through in this. But in many cases, we're not at 100% of the votes being counted. So, and, and that's another, I think, another kind of leg for Donald Trump to stand on. Mm -hmm. is as these things continue to be um, brought in, he's going to fight the the argument that he wants to fight, whether it's to stop counting them or to keep counting them, which is yeah. a whole other, you know, contradictory subject. <laughs> which, yeah. And if you look at the way, I guess, just the way that candidates have acted as well, uh, when Hillary Clinton, she declared, she conceded that night, um, the right. night of the election. Right. Uh, or, or early morning the next day. I, I man, I, I stayed up late. I that think night. it was yeah, because I remember waking up around four in the morning uh, to do things with the dogs, and um, and then turning on the TV and seeing that it said that Trump had won, and um, and I don't believe that Hillary had conceded yet. Yeah, uh, at least so. that's that's my memory. I could be wrong, but yeah, uh, sure. So I, I guess just as an act of I guess. Uh, just the, the, I don't want to even say character. I don't know what the correct term would be. I mean, if Trump. No, I mean, I think you're right. It, it's, it's quote unquote, you know, presidential slash quote yeah. unquote American. If we want to say that it's this, um, non-confrontational slash non-violent exchange of power, you know, all these types of things that is done under a gentlemanly, you know, type of exchange. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's where you're leading, right? Yeah, that's, that's definitely my thought process. Sure. All right. And I think that, uh, you know, moving out of that into basically Biden had a speech, you know, here we're at Saturday night on the seventh, uh, Biden gave a speech basically calling for unity, um, basically uniting the Republicans, and Democrats. And I think a good note for us to end on, with the Democratic Party, 
uh, for the time being, being uh, can, you know, getting the being called to win the election by Biden being called to win the election. Basically, I want to talk uh, the different parties and candidates off the ledge. I guess uh, I've seen a lot of just people just back and forth, and, and I think if you talk through things, sometimes that that you will uh, get more done. I mean, just for the Republicans, for instance, just look what Charles Trump has done. He nominated 220 judges, including three Supreme Court justices, which is unprecedented, unheard of. Uh, his his administration also oversaw the largest economy in the United States history. Um, and I think that this this will uh, give moderates that uh, that tilted towards Joe the experience of his economy, you know, because just Trump really, really hounded on that. Like, hey, you don't want to live under a, a Biden economy. Just see what Obama's economy was like, especially with the gas prices and uh, when we stop fracking, which Biden has uh, been sort of wavering on. Uh, but I think if, if Biden does push towards a a Green Party agenda uh, towards the Bernie Sanders sort of go further left uh, in 2024, I think that we could see as this knight in shining armor basically returning uh, with his bastion of what he calls conservatism to take on Biden and get four more years, you know, truthfully. Republican Party won't have that. Probably they probably won't won't have him again. I saw some people say that they want Donald <clears throat> Donald Trump Jr. to win, to run. That's <laughs> I doubt wow. that'll happen. But I, I I do see like there there are a lot of good candidates, a good young candidates. Uh, Tom Cotton is one uh, I think across the board. You know Ted Cruz and from Texas is another good candidate. And there's really uh, some people said DeSantis, but he's gotten a lot of flack in Florida. I don't know if he could he could come back and and get any you know amount of votes. Uh, the Libertarian, there's sort of a, a sect of Libertarians that are calling for Rand Paul to run again uh, as a Republican. So who really knows at this point? We're we're four years away, but by, by that same token, I saw somebody say, you know, hey, we need to talk about 2024 right now. And then somebody else commented under it and said, yeah, we're about three days too late. Um, <laughs> so. We're, we, I think you need to get out early and, and get out ahead of this. Uh, and, and you also got to think, uh, if this is anything like the first two years of, of Obama, uh, you know, remember the 2010, the big Tea Party movement that was a massive red wave across the country that was a referendum on his policies, even though he did uh, win the win re-election in 2012 to Romney, Romney which, I, you know, you could argue was a pretty bad candidate in, in his own right. Uh, that a lot of people were reluctant to back, sort of like a Biden. Um, I think I think that you've got a lot going for you, and that it's just up from here, really, uh, because you're really at your lowest point. You you've ran through a Trump economy, you've ran through a Trump presidency, so really, um, it's just, it's just all up from here. As far as you know, libertarians go, I think uh, I think that they had the least to lose in this election. It was only trying to get to 5% and get that, you know, full ballot access. Uh, they ran the second most successful libertarian campaign behind a, a non reelection year in 2016. Uh, when you saw Gary Johnson, who's also a well-known New Mexico governor, uh, got a lot of vote there. Um, you, you have a lot going for you. Uh, Spot Cohen, uh, Joe Jorgensen's VP had a, had a pretty great, uh, he's really got his name out there. He had a great campaign across the country. He did a Waffle House tour, uh, met people at Waffle Houses, which I, I think is hilarious. Uh, there's a lot of, and I don't think people should get discouraged just because they've they've got less votes than Gary Johnson did in 2016. Um, 
when when they when all the polls were showing five percent, they thought they would hit that five percent, and they only ended up with one point three percent of the of the popular vote. I think that if you're a libertarian, this is just um, you could look at it as a negative, but I think it's more of a positive than anything. And the Green Party really tried to play spoiler here. Uh, they held Biden's feet to the fire, and I think that one of the reasons that he won a lot of votes. Um, especially with the young voters, is his conference with Bernie there at the end. A lot of the the, the Bernie Bernie Bros, which we heard a lot about during the primaries, uh, they they ended up supporting Biden because Biden, I think Biden knew that he couldn't win uh, the presidential election without appealing to the um, the liberals, the the, the far left liberals, uh, the Green Party liberals, the Bernie Sanders liberals, because if it and, and he sort of played the. I think that um, especially like the Bernie Sanders supporters are a little – they're hip to the game. They know that he has to pander in a lot of ways, and so they knew that when he had this conversation with Bernie, whereas it might be discredited by a lot of the media, that it was a sign that he might move more left during his presidency. Um, and I think that's really my assessment. Uh, and if you voted for Kanye West, he's still rich. He's still going to release more music, and he's married to, Con- to uh, Kim Kardashian, which that last one may not be a positive, maybe a negative. So. Uh, I think that's that's where we're at right about now. Yeah, you know, I, I still remember seeing that Kanye got um, somewhere around 7,800 votes someplace in, in one of the states. And uh, Kanye still got some pretty good votes. I mean, there's, there's a whole other argument right there about <clears throat> what was Kanye doing in the race. You know, was this a tactic by the Trump administration considering Kanye had met with Trump at one point? to put Kanye out there and pull votes away from Trump. But you know, the, the reality, if we're, if we're thinking that that was some sort of tactic to pull, not votes away from Trump, but pull them away from Biden. Um, if we're thinking that was the tactic, the reality was that Trump seemed to actually score higher and everything that I heard score higher with African American men. Um, he, yeah. he scored higher than, and, and, and really it's a relative number though. He scored higher than he had before. Um, with African American mm-hmm. men, he scored higher than he had before with Latino men and women. Um, again, that's a relative number. Is that enough, though, to say that he is "quote unquote" the African American, you know, president that they should have or they should want? Um, it, all that it means is, relatively speaking, to what he had done in the past, he has higher ones. In overall, he still had, you know, lesser numbers on the popular vote. And obviously not as successful numbers on the electoral college. And I think one thing to be said that about the electoral college, when we wrap up everything is that, you know, all that we have now is still the popular vote being tabulated and that the process then of the electoral college, correct me if I'm wrong, Bradley, but the process now is for the States to see, how many popular votes they had for each candidate and then for them to then tell their um, people in the electoral college how they want them to vote. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, okay. yeah, uh, I think, I think that's, that's pretty spot on. Right. And so, I mean, in, in most cases, and I think we only have really two States that technically, are states that do not necessarily have to vote the way that the popular vote went. But, um, you know, those, those electoral college people, I think, I don't think they're necessarily still held back by, um, what that popular vote is. They're still supposed to have some decision-making power within that. 
Um, is isn't that still the 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 uh, an accurate assessment of that? Yeah, yeah. Um, for for everything I don't know, yeah. Um, right. So then, so then the the theory to a certain extent is that there there could be a potential push by the Trump administration um, slash uh, you know the Republican Party, whatever you want to call it, to make a case to the um, electors that they should still vote for them because the election was fraudulent. I mean, I think that's still a hope of Trump supporters. I don't know if that is that is not necessarily being thrown out there as a tactic yet, but I think in, in some very small conversations that is potentially happening. So that's at least um, a reality of something else that might happen. I think a lot of us um, who don't think that um, Donald Trump on a, let's say a wide range of possibility has enough um, strength in his argument to necessarily overturn some of these votes and in the way that he has um, said that votes um, for him, he actually won in the state of Pennsylvania because he led in vote counting on uh, election night. Um, I think that yeah. many, many people know that the state of Pennsylvania, along with many states, um, do not stop counting votes on election night as long as they've been turned in in, in the appropriate amount of time and that that counting goes on. Um, so, you know. It, Which, yeah, and I think there was another situation where people were going home. They're like, ah, we got a lot of ballots. We're going to head home tonight. We'll come back in the morning. Uh, I know Georgia, Georgia worked throughout the night to count ballots, but I know that I think there were some places in Pennsylvania uh, that, that called it a knot and, and came back in the next morning. Um, right. Well, you know, and, it, and I, I don't blame him. Yeah. I, no, I, I guess there's, you know, I, I've worked for a company that, that didn't do necessarily ballot counting, but we did educational test grading and doing that eight hours a day, um, with your standard, you know, 10 minute break, after every four hours or 15 minute break after every four hours, then having your half an hour break in between for lunch, then coming back in there. I mean, man, that it, it is tough to be doing that much attention to detail um, mm -hmm. just for every single minute that you're there. And when you do that, you're in a very production mindset. And I should know that because I was sort of one of the, I, I was called a quality control um, staff member. And I was there to kind of drive production. I would see where our numbers were and how fast we were going, or how fast we weren't. I would check accuracy on things. And mm -hmm. there was always this productive push um, to keep up our numbers, um, to not, you know, grade anything unfairly, but at the same time, not take so long that we spent forever doing it. So to say that um, people who were doing the ballot counting, um, you know, can just sort of do it because it's the easiest thing in the world. And you're not saying that. I'm not saying you're saying that. Yeah. But this this perception maybe that people have, hey, you're just looking at, you know, dots. Why can't you just keep doing that? I mean, there's there's a point in time where human error has to come into play and you have to refresh. Oh, so yeah, I, I can completely yeah. see that folks need to take breaks and come back in. And, and honestly, if I'm in a location where protesters are chanting outside my windows, um, that's going to probably make me a little emotional about what I'm doing. 
Yeah. And I'm not saying it's going to throw me off, but it's added stress um, that you mm-hmm. probably don't want to have. So, uh, you know, um, thank, thank you. To, I'll just say a big thank you to anyone out there who's a part of that ballot counting process, who is a part of the voter process when it comes to coming in and casting your ballots. Um, that is absolutely something I'd like to do when I eventually retire. I'd like to volunteer to work in those particular settings. I feel like that would be a great patriotic duty for myself to do that. And uh, I really appreciate the people who um, serve that way for us in, in trying to make this a democratic process. Um, it's it's troubling to me that there are these you know potential um, people who are either trolling on the internet and saying things like I threw out ballots. This was my, you know, my duty, blah, blah, blah. And then just jumping off of there, you know, that who aren't legitimate or other ones who were, yeah. I mean, that's, that's certainly troubling, but uh, regretfully, I think that's just the time we live in. I mean, we have troubling people out there and they do troubling things. And, yeah. I think, and, I think it's called being a troll. Yeah. Yeah. Be, there are be, a lot be, of trolls out there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So and, uh, not, yeah. not to oh. ramble too much more, but let me give you the, the rest of the form here. Oh, oh yeah. Um, so basically, you know, you're talking about electors and stuff. There are faith, faithless elector laws. Um, I don't know if it works the same as it does during the um, primary elections, but there's a faithless elector law. Basically, you can't vote, um, you know, contrary to who your um, who your state has, you know, been declared for. You can't right. vote contrary for I think two or three ballots. Um, and if you don't, if one person don't have a majority, then the electors can vote for whoever they, they want, I believe, or not whoever they want, but pretty much whoever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, uh, just to end on a lighter note, um, talking about pollsters and thanking them, uh, I guess it's been about four years now. I campaigned in the 2016 presidential election for a candidate and I would walk door to door. I was walking, you know, around all the small neighborhoods uh, in Alabama, Florida. And I met this lady. She was 98 years old. And she was walking down the road, and she she, she said, what are y'all doing? Y'all campaigning? And I was like, yeah, yes, ma'am. We, we are campaigning. And she just she said, I've worked the polls at my local polling place. We don't have many registered voters. We only have about two or 300. But I work every year, and I'm there. You know, I do all this. And it's really, you know, great seeing young people get involved in the process and by my same token, you know, I'm thinking, man, it's amazing to see, you know, people nearly 100 years old still being a part of the process. And right. I think that if you're losing faith in this process, if you lose faith in in the election and the way it happens, um, you know, maybe one day if you're if there there could be a possibility to change it. But there's a lot of people who are passionate about it. There's a lot of people who pour their heart and soul into this to ensure that at the end of the day there is a fair. Uh, election and that all the results are are you know fairly calculated and I think that people like her and despite the stories that the media is pushing of people you know being nefarious and um, and doing all this stuff with ballots and I saw an article today that popped up from the New York Post that talked about possibly somebody from trying to flee to Canada with thousands of votes <laughs> unopened I'm sorry and of laugh. course that that's the New York Post for you but I, I would say take all that with a grain of salt and if there is real voter election we do need to to call it out. But for the most part, man, there's a lot of great people involved in this process. And there's a lot of people who just love our democratic Republic that we have. So I would just definitely say, if you can be a part of the process, if you think 
anytime I'll tell I tell people this all the time. If you think that there's something wrong with the process, be a part of the process so you can help be the change that you want to see in this process so you can make it and you can personally attest that, hey, I believe that in this county, at this polling place, at this precinct where I am, this is a fair process and I will oversee it as a fair process every single time. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think, uh, you know, the, <laughs> we, 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 uh, certainly me, but uh, I think I'm, I can speak well for you also, but we had little idea when forming this podcast that these types of events would, would transpire. <laughs> um, I think it was just a, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was just a, you know, idea in our head that we wanted to sort through really, it was just media bias more than anything else. Not necessarily just what, not trying to pick apart what everybody says, um, you know, on, on its own merit, but we wanted to, um, just, you know, have, have a, have a feeling like where are the facts, what's the truth? Let's, let's try to work through this. Let's see what other people think. And so now it's, it's, it is amazing how um important it feels to do this this discussion and and again i appreciate how many people appreciate you bradley for participating in this podcast as a co-host and dragging me along as i drag my heels and doing many things <laughs> for the for the <laughs> podcast but um and then you know the the people that we have listening and and i think in, in you know certainly and uh you know, right now, more than ever, uh, our little tagline we end with is that there are two sides to every story and uh, in politics. And somewhere in the middle lies the truth. And welcome to uh, the Truth or Politics podcast and trying to find that out with us. Have a great day, everybody. And we look forward to getting together again and seeing what we can stir up. <laughs> I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. I'm not going to continue trying to respond to these re repetitions of the falsehoods that have already been stated here. Read my lips. No new taxes. Our politics seems more vulnerable to conspiracy theories and outright fabrication. We choose truth over facts. Some of the most dishonest people in media are the so-called fact-checkers. We will keep this promise to the American people. If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor, period. If you like your health care plan, you will be able to keep your health care plan, period. Totally distorting everything possible concerning the facts.